We are recording. It's official. We've started the late Halloween episode of Real Disagreement. Amy, say hello. You forgot to. What What do you mean? You forgot to go, hello. Oh, I'll do it right now. Ready? Hello. Welcome to Real Disagreement. I am one of your co-hosts. I'm Rob Bowman. This is the show where we watch movies and we disagree about them. My co-host is the amazing, the incredible... Amy Douglas. That's right. I think that our guest wanted to say his name at that point. <laughs> I refuse now on principle after our conversations for recording to introduce him. So you can. I won't. Joining us is the lovely Daniel Leon. He's lovely. Hello. Thank you. Glad to be here. Even and though I'm next to Rob Bowman. Wow. But I'm next to Amy, so that makes up for it. It's hard sitting next to the champion. Oh, Amy. Yep. It is difficult She's to sit champion. next to me, isn't it? Daniel and I are in a fantasy football league, and this is my third year in his league, and the first two years, I won his league. You back did. Back-to-back champ. Yep, back-to-back right. champ. He's bitter about it, and that's all there is to it. Well, the truth is, you're both losers because wow. the NFL sucks, and you should stop you know giving them your time, money, and attention. Racist. It's really hard to disagree with some of those parts. Being <laughs> called a racist, I'm not going to concede. Uh, that's how things work in this society now. It's all or nothing. It is. We are so divisive, and that is actually a perfect segue into what's happening on this podcast. Well, and part of why we invited Daniel, because exactly. he has strong, positive feelings about both of the movies we're watching today. Yep. And I know that that is not the case for Rob and I. Rob and me, excuse me. Wait a second. Are you, okay. I, I'm amazed to hear it's for both of us. I thought for sure you're going to say you love both of these movies, because one of them is eminently lovable. I'm, you're right. Bette Midler is God a treasure. <laughs> she Great is, voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um we'll get right, there no, that's fine. we'll yeah, get that's there fine. i'm that's not fine. saying i'm upset or angry at your choice of movie oh, i thank just you for not being angry i just don't like i didn't come out of it like oh my god my life has changed <laughs> i'm glad you didn't come out of it quite like that because then I I'm, tell- I'm, I'm glad that daniel is here in the role of switzerland between us that's I'm right sure neutral party that makes each i don't want to say don't which think size he's switzerland i think he's like Cardi B's hype man because he's excited about both of them. So he's just going to stand behind us and be like, yeah. I don't know who that is. It's okay. You don't know who Cardi B is or who Cardi B's hype man Who the hype man is. I know I Cardi know B. Okay, let's do either. a more age appropriate and podcast. I was just going to say, and reference we've made on this episode before, yeah. the guy in Mighty Mighty Boston's who just screams and oh, dances. that guy's or great. Or the guy from uh, that guy is great. Uh, Black Eyed Peas who just stands there and kind of waves at the crowd. And Pavement has one too, actually. Yeah. Stone Roses had a guy too. had one too. Yeah, Prodigy. Stone Roses had a guy that just would dance in the background while they're playing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Damien, Damien Marley, I think that's who I've seen a couple times live. He has mm-hmm. a guy who for like 45 minutes just waves a 20-foot tall flag, which his arms, arms are incredible. have to be... Oh, they're gorgeous. His but pu- Wait, what? His arms are beautiful. Cause they, like, okay, just, just that how you said that. It was I always started saying, oh, he's very strong. And you said, oh, they're gorgeous. <laughs> because the way I've been trained is to believe that toned muscles equal beauty. Who trained you? The world. Is this like when you were in the world's worst CIA operation? And you were that's, carefully trained to appreciate it? Sounds like a Sandra Bullock movie. Arms? Wow. I'm pretty sure it is, actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my oh God. My God. We Let's ha- start this. We haven't even plumbed the depths of Sandra Bullock's <laughs> movies yet. Holy shit. We got to go there. There's Okay, there's a couple of movies of hers that I love. The Engagement. I was going to go with... Um, What's Speed. the one where she's a cop in the future with Sylvester Stallone? Oh, Demolition Man. Demolition Man. That's a great movie. Yes. Speed also. Wait a second. Amy's making the face when she hasn't seen a movie. 
You, you haven't seen, seen Demolition Man? Man? No. Oh. Holy you gotta smokes. See Man. I got okay. to write that down. Demolition Man. So then can I make you watch the one with Melissa McCartney? McCarthy? The, I've seen it. That's funny. Uh, the Heat. The yeah, heat. I liked it. Oh, okay. The Heat was really yeah, good. Yeah, we can watch it. I liked it, though. Miss Congeniality is good, too. I have not seen that. Ooh, okay. So that's oh, two episodes from it. now. Miss Congeniality right, is funny. Yeah. Who's that? It's Ben Bratt in that. Yeah. He is a treasure. He's... Who's also in Demolition Man. He is. Really? Holy yep. shit. This is really coming together. All right. Two I feel, I feel like we should scrap our plans for next week, actually. Uh, I disagree, because okay. I want to torture you with, with my choice. Okay. So this week, um, we are here not only with our special guest, Daniel, uh, but we actually have a professional uh, helping <laughs> us. And I'm not laughing because that's not true. I'm laughing because it's taken us this long. Um, so we finally have somebody controlling our sound and helping us and making us sound good. And that is the Miss Miranda Hernandez. Yay! Yay. I, Do you I guys would... want me to talk? No. <laughs> okay, let me shut up. Let me shut up. That was... <laughs> She's kind of a professional. Um, we're very glad that you're I wanted, here, Miranda. I do want to make mention real quick that when we were kind of balancing out the audio, she was having a hard time with my mic. And Amy said, oh, oh, oh she's oh, going to make us all sound good. Make her repeat what she said. And then, oh, would you like to go ahead and tell them what you said to humiliate and emasculate me? Um, I didn't mean it like that. Okay, so I, uh-huh. t- I took off my headset and I was like, can you talk to me like normally without headphones? And he was like, yes, voice. I'll do that. And I was like. There's nothing wrong. That's just your voice. Oh, oh, wait. No, you didn't Perfect. say there's nothing wrong. You said, oh, that's just your voice. <laughs> it's just you. With not a small amount of disgust <laughs> in how you said it. So let's just, you know, let's be accurate, I guess. So yeah, okay. she's going to make us sound as good as we can, given that I'm cursed with, the let's handy- just say, a terrible <laughs> voice. Given the handicap you provide. You know what? I don't think we need to say it like that, but that's cool. <laughs> let's talk about golf. this movie. Oh, wait. Let's hand- talk about people making the best they possibly can with their limited means. And creating a masterpiece out of it. Mm-hmm. I agree with that statement. Whoa. Okay, so All right. we're so our connection this week was um, Halloween movies, which is no longer timely. Yeah, again, we took a month off, and then this one took us like two and a half weeks to get to because of more um, health-related eyeball surgeries. Um, not on either of us, so don't worry, we're okay. Um, so we <laughs> that was so mysterious and macabre. So we just entered There's a David Lynch podcast. People in our lives that we care about who right. had to have eyeball surgeries. I understand. Okay, Daniel's mom needed me to take her to the hospital. That's right, good friend. <laughs> um, so this the... podcast is suddenly just about your moms. <laughs> yeah, didn't I do that last week? Anyway, did. so we started with um, so their Halloween movies. So we started with Dawn of the Dead, or we are starting with. Mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead. Masterpiece. The 19... It's a movie that came out in 1978. um, (laughs) Directed by George Romero. And then we're going to move on to Hocus Pocus. So... Not a masterpiece made by George Romero. I will agree with both parts of that statement. Holy smokes. This is really... Masterpiece is a strong word that should be reserved... For movies like this. For movies like Dawn of the Dead. Agreed. For both of them, Daniel? Not both of them. There's one okay, movie I, I like a lot more, but I like both movies. I just think that Masterpiece, like, you know, Picasso did a lot of work. Guernica, that's a Masterpiece. Some of the stuff that's just like a broken guitar is not a Masterpiece. Okay, I, I feel like we're getting... You know what? I, I, I don't think it's a bad point. I would rather, though, after we talk about the movie, I will justify why it's a Masterpiece. 
Of course you will. Fair? Yeah. So, Wait, what's that? No, that's not nice. <laughs> I don't do nice. That's Wait. fair. Okay. Um, not to you, anyway. Um, I know. And you gave me such a nice introduction. I'm sorry. I love you. It's all right. Um, so, we'll start with my haiku. Yes. Let's hear it. Zombies on the loose. Life and death are in the mall. One thing's sure, we're doomed. That's incredibly good. Well, thank you. That's great. It's really Very good. accurate. Thank you. I enjoy haikus. You know what? I forgot to invite Daniel to write haikus. Ooh, Daniel, here's a pen. Get going. <laughs> Want to write one now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just let me know when you have it. Um, Dawn of the Dead, 1978, directed by George Romero, uh, after Night of the Living Dead. Woo! Another masterpiece. Another masterpiece. I would That's agree true. with that statement. I love Night of the Living Dead. Um... Produced by Richard Rubenstein, written by Romero, music by The Goblins and Dario Argento. Amazing soundtrack, too. <laughs> Agreed. The Italian mm-hmm. giallo master, Dario Argento. Sure. He, uh, uh, wait. I don't know what that middle word was you uh, said. Giallo is a genre of Italian horror films. He's the guy who made Suspiria, which is now being remade. Mm. Argento was a writer-director in his own right who was kind of hired Romero to make this movie. And then agreed to do the the music with his band, the Goblins. Um, are you pronouncing that word correctly? Uh, ish. Giallo. That's I don't my know. Italian. How, no, no, I don't do no? that. Um, I don't know how to pronounce it. I just because there's been like three times that I've corrected your pronunciation oh, on that's, things. That's fair. I no, no. I just so enjoy how upset you get. So I, I was, get. I was okay, checking. I read more than I talk to people because I have more books than friends. I know, and I have the <laughs> same problem. All right. Um, I, for many years, thought that the fake sugar was a spar to me. Oh, it could be a spar to you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Just eat enough of it. No, the joke I always made was that it was the Roman god of sweetness. Oh, yeah. A spar to me. Yeah. Instead of aspartame. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> Thanks for explaining the joke. I mean, just in case people missed it. All right. Sure. Fair. So I looked up the actors and I feel like some of these people went on to do other things. Uh, Rob, I, yeah. Do you have any insight on that? I mean, they basically just have been in stuff like that, that are nods to this. None of them really went anywhere. Although like Ken Foray should have, he's great. Yeah. Really good. He's the short guy, yeah? No, he's the no. African-American gentleman who's oh, correct. basically no. the handsome lead of the film. Okay, so and he was in a ton of stuff. I actually did look him up. Yeah. That guy has been working forever. and it's He works, but he never like hit. And no, he should have. But I'm sure his bills are paid. Because yeah, the guy's so. been doing a ton of stuff, and, and he's currently working now. So he does a lot of horror stuff. Tons and tons and tons and tons of horror stuff. And then he did some TV, all still horror. Mm-hmm. And then he was in, um, he was a voice in some video games. Hmm. And they were like zombie video games. Like, th- I mean. Right. That's what I mean. Is he gets off the back of this, he gets a lot of work. Totally. His IMDb, it's like 95 credits. It's That's a ton awesome. of stuff. Yeah. He was the only one I really, I think I looked up the woman and I don't think she really yeah, did Yeah, she didn't much. do anything after Yeah. Okay. I was just checking to make sure yeah, I hadn't no, missed anything. No, no, uh-uh. Um, the plot is very, very simple. Um, I loved the opening. Mm-hmm. The opening of the movie is fantastic. I always enjoy a movie that's a story or a movie, but particularly movies, I think it works very well. Um, this is where I might pronounce something wrong. And Media Ray. Yeah, I've heard so many pronunciations res. for it. Yeah. Yeah. So the Latin term starting in the middle, um, you know, English teachers, sorry. Um, and I thought that was great. The um, 
what's her name? Fran mm-hmm. curled up in the newsroom in the sound booth, you know, just trying to get some sleep and and you realize like something horrible has happened. Um, and they're presenting all of that in the newsroom and then it just becomes clear that like it's not getting better. Nobody knows what's going on. There's one guy who's like, you should leave. Go up, go off in the helicopter that your boyfriend mm-hmm. has because we're going to be off the air in two days anyway. They're taking over. And they're... Um, there's issues of, oh, I thought it was interesting, the stuff about the rescue stations and the one producer right. that says, you know, you have to... Keep them on the air. Yeah, keep people, people on people will tune air. out. People will tune out. He was still concerned with... Ratings. Ratings and yeah. viewership when she was saying, I'm not running false rescue station information because then people will go and they're going to risk their lives. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. All the stuff in the newsroom um, was great. And um, so it gets established. We have zombies. Nobody knows why or like what it is. There's like a brief sort of background mention about a viral infection. Um, And then you have this group of people that sort of slowly gets whittled down to mainly four people. Yeah. Well, pretty quickly. I mean, they're the ones. It's the two that end up on the helicopter. Taking off. And then there's the big like police raid. Yeah. Immediately after, which you should talk about the police raid scene. The police raid in the... In the, like, apartment, yeah, apartment like, the complex. tenements that they're running Oh, for. yeah. Um, I didn't totally understand what was going on there, to be honest. Um, I, I got... Like, I understood the message that was happening, right? That... I didn't understand why people were still in the hotel. Well, I guess, I mean, I don't... Or the tenement. It wasn't a hotel. It was a tenement. Yeah, 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 it's a tenement. Um, I guess I don't think of it as trying to figure out what the purpose of the scene is beyond they're introducing complete anarchy and that the wheels are coming off of society and the police have been called in in this kind of a SWAT team essentially to sweep the building and figure out what's going on but everything has come off the rails everything's gone bad and it's a worthwhile sequence if only because it introduces a level of gore in this film that no one had seen in an American movie before Tom Savini Tom Savini, the man designing all the effects for this, who is later in the movie as one of the bikers. Um, I mean, they blow a head apart in this. Yeah. It's pre-scanners, and it is shocking. Pre-scanners. But then the the sequence immediately after it, there's a sequence where a a zombie gentleman attacks his wife or girlfriend. A zombie gentleman? Like, did he go to finishing school? He's wearing a top hat. He went to finishing school? (laughs) He he gently dusts people off with his kerchief before biting them. Pardon me. May (laughs) I partake of your (laughs) brain matter? (laughs) Many salutations. Thank you so much. (laughs) That was was really good. (laughs) That's my zombie gentleman character. When the zombie gentleman bites into his lady friend, uh, it is disgusting. The effect looks so good. Still does. It looks yeah, completely real. Great. Like he took a bite out of that woman. Mm-hmm. It is. Yes, that, that was whole sequence gross. is insane. I mean, and you see that everyone's going crazy. Police yeah. are committing suicide in the basement because of the horrors they've seen. And that's how yes. we get narrowed down to the two police characters we have for the rest of the movie. Yes, and 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 so I guess I was distracted in the beginning of that scene by like Marshall Law's been declared why are people still in there and and then there seems to be a point being made about the people who are in that building um Mm. it was all people of color who for the most pretty for the most part for the most part it was primarily people of color and um and so 
and then you have some police officers who it's and then but also weren't the like bikers involved in this scene as well at some point? No, or there's like a gang of, like like, 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 like yeah. wells. Yes. But some of those gang member guys come back later. But anyway, they're the same people? I thought it was or maybe it's just like the late 70s. I think it's just that in the late what, 70s everyone with a beard looked pretty much the same. Yeah, like what a Hells Angel looks like. Yeah. Um so anyway, there's yeah, like some Hells Angel gang members at the top and there's also police officers and there's um both of those groups of people are referring to the sons of bitches and then and then there's language, there's racist language that gets used. And so that was yeah. kind of where I thought that was a point being made. And and I had this question of like, why don't they leave? And then the counselor and me like turned around and berated myself because it's like the same question you ask when there's a hurricane. Why don't people mm. leave? Right? Because it's your home and you're trying to protect it. Yeah. And then we meet this priest. Oh, that's a great part of the movie. Yeah. Um, who makes it clear that as people were dying in the tenement they were putting dying from zombie attack they were putting them in the basement so that he could perform last rites rites. over them which is lovely but then also makes me so angry because you know what's going to happen to them and i get it like you want to do last rites because that's what your religion tells you to do but also they're gonna come back and not in the way your religion tells you is good but that's romero mocking religion i know and i and i which he does later in the movie with the whole zombie Hare krishna and the zombie nun which are two of the funniest things i've ever seen I'll say too, like, uh, just going back to that priest, he makes like um, a comment, and I think it's like George Merrill's comment too, where he's, um, he says, we must stop the killing yeah. or we're going to lose the war. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a great line, like just just in life in general. Like, yeah. yeah. I agree. And, and, and there, was, I, there was a point being made in this scene about, yeah, the martial law, the, the lack of governance when everything goes awry and it becomes everyone's out for themselves. Um, I felt, and maybe I'm over-intellectualizing it, I don't know, but I I felt like the message was our marginalized societies are going to be the first to suffer. Hmm. I, I don't think that's overdoing it or oversaying it. I do think... I mean, knowing that he was really purposeful in the message he was sending with this movie, like, I don't... That is where, and we're gonna, you know, have our yeah. trial on this later, I suppose. But <laughs> that—that's when I when you talk about masterpiece, and and Rob and I have taught lessons um, where we take art and and we use it in our English classes yeah. to talk about choice, our authorial authorial choice, right? And that nothing's an accident. And Jackson Pollock is this wonderful example because. Students who are uneducated, people who are uneducated in the matter will say, well, I could do that. I could splatter paint all everything. And it's like, no, but you couldn't. Right. Um, because everything Jackson Pollock did had a point and it was a choice and it was purposeful. And right. so many decisions went into that choice. Well, and going with that a little further, he's the originator of the idea. He's the originator he of the idea. He did it. Even if you could do it, he did it and you didn't. Yes. And that's where a lot of Romero's kind of legend status comes from is he's the originator of all this stuff. And I get that. And so if we're using masterpiece in that sense, I would agree with you because this there there was nothing lazy or sloppy in this movie except maybe for that little bit of brown face. Um, <laughs> but but there really wasn't. Like there was right. nothing lazy or sloppy. Um, everything was intentional. And, and I caught myself at times laughing at things. I was like, am I laughing at that because it's bad? And I... No, I'm not. I'm la- this is intentional. Right. The, it is a funny movie. That's a 
overarching statement. Um, I don't think it is funny. <laughs> there's f- funny parts. It's it's tonally, it has a lot of different tones being used. The, Romero works in really broad strokes. Like, I don't think there's, I think there are big messages about race and society and about capitalism and all that stuff and consumerism. But I don't know that it's real finely worked out. I think he's deliberately in, working in kind of broad, like, Capitalism is bad. They go back to the mall because, well, we haven't even talked about the mall yet. We need to talk about the mall. We need to talk about the helicopter. Oh, my God. And, and I, but I, I don't know if that's fair because I don't, because I don't think you can, 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 I don't think you can successfully convey a message that is, it's not a nuanced message, but I don't think you can, I don't think you can successfully convey a message through satire without it being careful and thoughtful and planned out well it can be thoughtful i feel like but you're short and that's fine but you're saying like it wasn't finely tuned like i think you're suggesting well, a laziness no no no. i don't mean laziness i mean it's it's big bold colors and drawing outside the lines it's look at the zombies in the mall trying on clothes like it's not subtle no it's not it's real like but but what i'm sledgehammer to the face stuff and what i'm saying is that it's purposeful like nothing in here is lazy and so i think the tenement scene is i think that i think that he is sending a message about in the war and as we are killing it is our marginalized societies who hurt the most and are the first to go i'll take it um so okay, so yeah, then we whittled down to Flyboy, which that bothered me. Um, <laughs> That's a great nickname. But it's, not, it's actually Daniel's new nickname, and you just really insulted him. I'm How sorry. dare you? I'm sorry. Um, so we have Stephen and um, Peter, who was a police officer, and Roger, um, who was he's the short guy. Yeah, he was the short guy. Yeah, um, he was tiny. Um, he's a little dude. And Fran and Fran. And Fran and Steven are clearly dating or have mm-hmm. dated, and later it's yeah. revealed that she's pregnant. Um, and so they go to the mall. They have this helicopter. They get in the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Why, well, you're making the Amy, you're skipping something face. When, I, the, when they try to refuel the helicopter. Oh, yes. And yeah. there's two amazing parts there. One of which is funny shocking, and the other is not funny shocking. I'm interested to know which one is which <laughs> for you. The funny shocking is the zombie who accidentally stands up in a helicopter blades and gets his head shot oh, apart. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazingly okay. funny. And the not funny shocking is the tiny little children who have is to be killed. The two kids who get shot. Yeah. That and was they're rough. in a closet. Like you just see the door jingle and then like, yeah. you're like don't open that door. And then you're su- like the first time you see that, I'm sure you're surprised at what comes out of that door. Yeah. Right, yeah. Cause it's a scare and then it's absurd and then they get blown away and yeah. it's awful yeah it's so terrible well but it makes sense in this world of yeah there would be kid zombies and they would be dangerous yeah. and one of the things i liked and this is a note i wrote down i think it was during the basement scene in the tenement with after the priest was talking mm-hmm. i i appreciated that they addressed the issue of it would be difficult to kill zombies not yeah. in a, it's challenging it would be emotionally difficult because yeah. they're still your former friends and loved ones well, and the whole zombie kind of mythology hadn't evolved to the thing of like it has to be shot in the head or destroy their brains like Walking yeah. Dead style. It's basically just they're they're alive again. You know, they get shot in the chest and they're down. I feel like they did say shoot in the head because I also have a note here about how um, Roger, yeah, 
it, no, Steven, Flyboy, mm-hmm. is a terrible shot and they needed to stop letting him have a gun because every time they gave him a gun, he was really, really bad at it and he made every situation worse. Well, that's definitely true. But it, it didn't have to be, it had to be fatal shots that would kill a person. Oh, I If they got like st- shot in the stomach, they'd keep going. But if you got him like center mass, they went down. It just hadn't been like fully evolved yet. But either way, because like watching the kids... Get shot is awful yeah, in the movie. That was and terrible. you can see the look on the actor's face of he is not enjoying making this scene. No. It it's was rough. Uh, that was terrible. Um and so they fly so yeah, they fuel up the helicopter and then they start to fly and um they settle on a mall. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, before that, just back up. Remember they're going in the helicopter and what's their observation they're seeing in, you know, good old Pittsburgh? Little boys, you know, getting some uh, shotguns together, getting some rifles <laughs> yeah, together, yeah. and hunting zombies. Like they're making it a sport of like going out. Yeah, all the hicks are having a great mm. time. They're just out hunting, and you know, they're enjoying the entire thing that's going on. Also, that's probably, the scariest part of the movie for me. Yeah, and that's also, I'm sure, very much on purpose. Yep. Well, and it's become self fulfilling. There's, I, there was a guy in Denver. I, I'm sure there's people around here with it. They like paint their cars to be full time. It says, uh, like zombie hunting squad or something. And whenever it's Halloween, instead of dressing up like a zombie and having fun with everybody, they dress up as people who kill zombies. And there's a weird bloodlust hate thing of, I can't wait for the excuse to legally shoot people. They just can't wait for it. Well, hello, the Purge movies. That's what I'm saying. Like he, he Romero's really tapping into something in the psychology, which I don't know if it's self-fulfilling exactly so much as he's given them a vehicle to pour this idea into. It's, that they already felt. Uh, unfortunately, it's human nature. Um, was it not ni- me? I'm so nice. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> most dangerous game was like 1902. Right, but hunting like, people for sport is not a new concept. Oh, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> you talked me into it. I'll hunt people for sport. That's... Like surviving the game with iced tea. Right, Ugh. much like any time you can <laughs> reference iced tea. That's impressive. It's really good. <laughs> I mean, I just think like. I don't know if the events of the past few weeks really prove this, but I think that we generally live in a kinder and more empathetic time. Not like Hard Target with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Ooh. I'm just thinking of Most Dangerous Game ripoffs. <laughs> and and the thing is, oh, I'm getting, I'm turning into Rob. I'm being roll up my ass right now. Um, <laughs> if we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like, wow. I, I know. I'm sorry. That's why I hesitated saying it. <laughs> It, we, we, as a, most of our developed societies, I recognize that we have developing nations where the bottom level needs have not been met. Right. But in, in the Western world, for the most part, we have met those bottom needs for a lot of our people. Now, of course, I know that people starve in America and we don't have health care and all of that. Sure, but of course. We comfort ourselves that we have met those needs. And so, um, I think that that has allowed us to pursue those upper level needs, right? So I think as a society, we're we're at least trying to be kinder and more empathetic. Um, I feel like the stories that we tell, though, are ab- about hunting other humans, are about those base human instincts, which we have mm. in us, but we suppress them because the truth is they kind of get in the way of us accomplishing various needs. They even get in the way of accomplishing those base level needs because if you kill somebody, you don't get to feed yourself and have a home and search for love and all of those things. You get locked up. 
two things to that. I feel like I spiraled out a little. Well, a little, actually, but I'm going to tie it back in. One, when you said bottom needs, Daniel gave me a look that made me uncomfortable. <laughs> two. And a wink. When you, it was a wink, too. So. It was, there was a subtle lick of the lips. Hey, Flyboy. Is hey, wow. That's my nickname. So, so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, I got to talk to my wife. Like, I have a lot of decisions I got to make. Um, the other thing is, this movie, when they get to the mall, is, I think, very much about exactly what you're saying, actually. Yeah. Of that middle ground or that, not, not a middle ground because it's not a compromise. It's the, the mixture of those things, of those upper level, if not exactly intellectual, the, those non-id-based needs. Yeah. And those id moments of they get to the mall, which is What do they call it? Their actual, actualization needs is the upper level Yeah. Stuff. Well, and so they go into the mall and they have this... The movie turns into a fantasy of them running around, living in a mall, and they they throw money in the air that they that find, and they try on all the clothes, and they eat all the fancy foods in the fancy food store. And it's... I had a, It does look pretty fun, actually. I had a book once when I was a kid that was, like, about getting locked in the mall overnight. It wasn't the one about getting locked in the museum overnight? The mix-up files of... Basil, what was that? I got to figure out what that book was called. I don't know. I think this was a choose your own adventure book. Oh, yeah. I love those books. Don't you miss those? I do. Kids now have no idea what we're talking about when we say that. Well, there's basically a version of it on Netflix. On the TV shows, you can choose what happens next on some of the kids shows. I did see that. Yeah. So they are kind of bringing that back. But that's not a book. Why? Wait, it's not? No. Damn. I've been (laughs) reading my children all wrong. (laughs) They... So they they fly over and they and they see the mall and do mm-hmm. they notice that the zombies are going towards the mall first or do they decide they, to they land? They notice that they're going there and they they yeah. talk about how this is a place that was important to them in life yeah. and they're drawn there in death. Yeah, no. Oh, so good, oh, yeah. so yeah. smart. So I wrote down that that line was a little on the nose, but I it suppose is, but that it's, it's conforms the key with, to unlocking the rest of the film. I, it's what it conforms with what you said about it being broad strokes. No, yeah. Nothing in it is subtle. No, not at all. Um, and of course, I say that as somebody who understands the importance of this movie and the message that it ha- was trying yeah. to send and have used it in my teaching experience as this is when zombie movies happen. This is why we, you know, this is yep. whatever. All that, We're going to get to it, I'm sure. Um, so I knew that that was coming. So right. it felt on the nose to me. Um, but yeah. But it's so also, that's it suffering from being, it's the originator. Yes. It's, a, it's a movie that's 40 years old yeah. this year. And it's, this is where we get that conversation from. Well, and, but, and, and so just kind of looking at that in the timeline, like I sort of think of this where the met, so they, okay. So they go to the mall and they're running around and they're getting stuff and supplying themselves. And also the zombies are, these are There's slow. There's a few stragglers in there that they have to get rid of and fortify things. Yes. And these are slow zombies. Um, it's that breed of zombies, yeah. the shambling ones. Um, shuffling. Oh, Gary Shambling. I love his stuff. <laughs> He's actually a zombie now. Is that poor taste? Has it been long enough? Is it too soon to make dead Gary Shandling jokes? No, I think you're okay. Okay, good. Great. What? Gary Shambling zombie. He had a catchphrase. I was trying to work it in, but I can't remember. Like, anyway. He had a catchphrase? I feel like he did. <laughs> I don't think he did. I just always remember him smiling, being like, I'm Gary Shandling. That's yeah, he always it. seemed just a little like, I'm embarrassed to be me. He had huge teeth. He um, had big teeth. They, they barely fit in his head. They were giant. He couldn't keep his lips shut. So... We see them being, you know, consumerist and all of that, and we yeah. know, and we know that 
that's like at this point the message is very clear and very obvious which is as humans we consume and we overconsume, and thus in death our instinct is to lead us to or in undeath um our instinct is to lead us to the mall and and to still consume and and consume at rates that Mm. are um i mean to the point where they're kind of dangerous there's points when they venture out and they didn't need to venture out yeah um well there's also not only that but there's they're having a great time in there. Yeah, it's weird. They have a lot of fun, and it's grotesque. It's kind of fun watching them at first. Then it starts to get weird, and then they start to have this paranoia building on themselves because they feel so trapped in there. Yeah. They have everything they could ever want, and they still feel trapped. Yeah. It's really interesting. Well, and so what I was going to say was, like, if you look at sort of the timeline of zombie movies, if you go from that, which is this, you know, consumerism is poisonous, essentially. Yeah. Um, and also instinctual in a way, yeah. um, or at least in the way that we're raised in America. And then you look at something like World War Z, where World War Z is not a movie about consumerism. It's about the effects of it. It's about resource scarceness. Scar- it's about, it's about the collapse. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's, I mean, like, I saw World War Z and I was like, oh, this is what happens when all the water runs out. Right. Which that is a <laughs> thing when you watch, like, Dawn of the Dead, you're like, why is there still electricity? Yes. Why is there still water pressure? Well, okay. And here's one of those things, those things that annoy me that take me out of the movie. Oh, Amyisms. I love these. I get it. I get it. We turn on the electricity so we can do our things and whatever. But why would you, (laughs) like, they made a point of showing the buttons. You didn't need to turn on the fountains. It's fun. And, okay. But, okay, fine. Have that one. You didn't need to turn on the escalators. And by doing so. Uh, What? How are you not going to get tired? You ride the escalators. That's right. Well, that's very American. Um, in the but but in turning on the escalators, they exposed themselves because the zombies hadn't like figured out stairs. Well, that's just it because they're careless, and that's what ultimately undoes yeah, them I guess. is their carelessness. Because you're right, they are they're not sensible though. They're ludicrous, and they they don't do the right thing, and they get killed as a result. All but two of them. We gotta well, talk about, and we got to talk about the original ending. Yeah, original ending. Well, plus, just uh, going back to what Amy was saying, when they were fortifying, like that was a smart thing to get trucks to block the entrances. Yeah. And then as that's happening, one of our characters, <laughs> Roger, gets bit, which was devastating the first time I ever saw that. Yeah. Because I really like well, Roger a lot. Well, because he's goofing around. Yeah, he's goofing yeah. around, not paying attention. And they're trying to get the trucks moved, and then he's outside, and he does like a little swing <sighs> thing to try to get the zombies away, and he gets bit. Yeah. Twice, actually. Yeah, twice. The leg and then on the arm. Oh, leading to one of my... Oh. So sad. Don't you laugh, Amy. It's no, devastating. No, I'm laughing at my note here because oh. I don't know what it's in reference to, but it says, when did this become a Three Stooges movie? Oh, that, <laughs> oh are you sure I know you're not you reading your notes for Hocus Pocus? Oh. No, not. boop. That's not enough. The music in Hocus Pocus is far better than that. No, yeah, that's just my... That's I don't have the Hocus Pocus <laughs> music on my audio board. That's the, one of the only music... Stings I have on here. Mm. Do you want to hear any others? Yeah. Any other things I have? That's the techno button. The Law and Order sound. Oh, I have. Gung gung. There it is. Good job. Yeah, I can hit all those buttons. Um, (laughs) Amazing soundboard here. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not bad. So Roger gets bit. Uh huh. Leading to they try to nurse him. There's a there's a gross out like scare moment in the movie that turns my stomach when I see it. His legs all wrapped up, and that yes. zombie lady sees it and grabs Rabs it, it. Yes. and like yes. pops the wound. Yeah. Oh my! And he yelps. It is 
Okay, it's a 40-year-old movie, Ugh. and it made me so... I knew it was coming, and it freaked me out. I just got breathless because you made me tighten all my muscles. Oh, it is... Just thinking about it again, it is harrowing. Like my... We've talked about this, Rob. The you, word is harrowing. Yeah, but I prefer harrowing. That's But nobody knows what you're saying. <laughs> it's... Harrow. <laughs> <laughs> is it really harrowing? Yes. But I also pronounce horrible, horrible. That's an accent thing, but... How is it not an accent thing for harrowing? Because no one says that. People from my part of the world do. Your Colorado. little corner of Bermuda Dunes? Oh. <laughs> Maybe. Just that one... I like to think of it as like me and George Plimpton. We each have our own version of the continental accent. No? Mm. All right. Well, mm. um, no. back to this. It was harrowing. It was indeed harrowing. <laughs> I mean, you don't say that, like, a tight space is narrow. <laughs> yes, I, I will now, though. <laughs> I say it's uh, narrow, actually. Uh, it's narrow. Okay, so is it wide or narrow? We're going to jump a little bit. I'm going to use my bow and shoot an arrow. <laughs> I feel like that's a weird jab at my name at the same time. Um, oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. The, they start practicing how to fly in the helicopter, which gets the attention of a roving band of motorcycle gang kind they, of survivor renegades. They were Hells Angels. They were supposed to be Hells Angels. Yeah, I mean, they that's, basically are. Yeah. But um, it as my partner said when we were watching, boy, it's real handy that they showed us that they learned how to fly the plane or fly the helicopter because again it was a little on the nose but they were setting up what happened later they're setting up everything and i mean it I works know. i mean it makes sense that he'd want her to know how to fly it too yes that all true. works and it's what gives them away yes if they would have stayed content where they were yes they wouldn't have been found out and said so they are found out and then even they continue to make it worse and worse for themselves by egging on the bikers by agitating them until everything goes completely off the rails that last, what is it, 15-minute scene with the bikers in the mall mm -hmm. is just anarchy. Oh, that's when it became a Three Stooges movie. Oh, yeah, with the pies in the faces of the zombies yes. and stuff. What yeah. was the pie? What were the pies about? I didn't understand that. There's I bikers I, having fun. Yeah. I really, they're just ludicrous, and they, they have no dignity in what they do. Yeah, I mean, there's the, you yeah. see that one big biker trying to take a TV, even the biker's like, hey, man, what are you going to watch on that thing? He's like, I don't know, man. Just sledgehammer <laughs> right. and like, breaks And then it. breaks it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, you're right. There's nothing to watch. <laughs> well, and that's an interesting scene when they're in the bunker and he's got the TV just playing static because he likes having the TV on. Mm -hmm. And one goes and turns it off. Like, you know, there's no conversation, but it's clearly, like, what are you doing? There's nothing to watch. And the other one angrily goes back and turns it on because you can see it just reminds him that there used to be a world out there. Yeah. Man, this movie's great. How used to be some. Oh, can we talk about too the uh, the one uh, eye patch doctor that's that they oh the cutaway and... interviews of that guy are am he's genius. Oh, he's a genius. Yeah. That guy's amazing. He's the best actor in the movie. I really want to know why he had an eye patch though. You feel like there's a story there, right? Something interesting. And the other like, guy interviewing him, Again, he's a great actor too. If we're yeah. talking about choices, that's a choice George Romero made. So tell me why. Well, I. Let me call him up. He's dead, no, but let me see what I, I can do. Oh, how about ring, the man ring, with one ring, eye ring. is king in the land of the blind? I don't know. Oh. Wow. I like Love where that. this is going. He Look does have wisdom. Daniel's Daniel fucking getting fancy. MVP in this episode. Wow. Did I say he's peeing in this episode? Kind of. It sounded but I, like that. I really loved, like, they did that interview with him, and then, like, they're, like, discussing ways to, like, make, like, 
to get rid of the zombies or like make it. Yeah. And then he makes a suggestion. He goes, since we haven't touched upon our nuclear resources, why don't we drop bombs on all the big cities? On all the major cities. And Let's then kill the guy's like, you're horrified. probably serious. He's like, I'm deadly serious. He's like, what choice do we have? And then yeah. some girl in the background People says. People will survive in the smaller communities and that'll be enough. Yeah. And like a girl's like, they'll run out of food. And he's like, no, they won't run out of food while we're still alive. Yeah. Like they won't run out of, run out of food while we're still walking around. Yeah, we yeah. are their food. I yeah. would like very much to remake this movie, but leave those sections exactly as they are. Like, make it a 70s movie and cut away to that guy still doing those scenes. Yeah. Because if you had top-notch actors doing everything that exists right now in the script, because they did the remake. The remake has its points, but it's a very different film, ultimately. Yeah. But i just like to see really great, like, Oscar-winning actors do the scene with turning the TV off and on. Yeah. That would be really interesting stuff. It's a great drama, but it's... The it's limited is, in what it has available to it. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, there were moments where the acting felt like art school film. Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the woman who played Fran in it had never been in a movie before, and she lied to them and said that she had. She had a fake resume when she got hired. She'd never actually been in front of a camera before. I mean, she was the worst of all of them, yeah. but I'm surprised to hear that. I mean, I, don't, I didn't feel like she was that bad. Well, I don't think she's terrible. Yeah, I'm just saying it's, pretty good. it's a movie that could have been, I think, spectacular. So they give themselves away, and then the bikers come into the mall, and then there's a lot of nick, 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 and like pies. Wait, and... can I hear your amazing <laughs> Curly impression? Again? Yeah, I want to hear that soundboard. Because it's like if Curly was a mouse in the Three Stooges. <laughs> I can't. I have a cold. Oh. Oh. That was yours. <laughs> Wait, what? Are you a ghost? That was a... no. They do that noise too. Now I'm embarrassed. Lord. I hate you both. Um, <laughs> So oh. it's it's not an episode if I don't yeah. tell Rob I hate him. Humana, humana, humana. <laughs> nope, there's no hominas. Um, it might be. So the bikers come and find him. It turns into three stooges. People die. Everybody gets killed. There's like looting and stuff. And so then they realize, and um, we lose Rod. Well, Roger was gone. Yeah, and which then, is a, that is a sad sequence. I agree. Him turning. Ooh. Um, and then Peter. Mm-hmm. We lose Peter. Right. Well, no, we do. So, Roger turns. Yeah. Flyboy gets attacked and eaten. Oh yeah. And then Peter is pushing to get Fran out and saves her. Yes, that's right. And, and he she, contemplates yes. suicide, but then at the last moment decides to follow her, and they get in the helicopter and ride off to safety. No, God, no. They wrote, they rode off, but that's like the most hopeless ending. I actually was like, hey, I'm super glad you did that with the ending. Uh, don't talk to me about the original planned ending yet, but because I read about it. I liked the way this ended because it yeah. ended hopelessly. It would, you know, they said, where are we going? And what did she, what did he say? He said, yeah, it is, it is very bleak. Don't get me wrong. He goes, um, how much fuel do we got? And she goes, not much. And he goes, okay. And yeah, yeah, and then it's just the end. Like it's I, it's clear they're gonna like crash. Yeah, basically. I appreciated that actually. Yeah. Can we talk about two? Um, there's one zombie who has no interest in eating humans and just holding a gun. Like, do you yeah. remember that zombie? He grabs the gun oh, earlier yeah. and he walks around. And at the end, Peter um, is about to take him out, but he just takes Peter's gun and then he just holds onto it. It's like, oh, it's a new gun for me. That's it. He has no interest in like. Is that like a there's a thing there's a couple zombies who are real interesting. The nun zombie. Nun zombie is great. There's a picture zombie who's just like looking at people. There's a like... there's a weird clown zombie. There's some weird <laughs> yes. zombies in this one. Well, what I so I I wrote down and, and something that bothered me was like you're making a point about like the brainlessness of consumerism, right? And yeah. you're embodying that in brainless shambling zombies. Gary so... shambling zombies. <laughs> I'm Gary Shan. 
<laughs> I'll never hear it any other way. It will be that forever. Oh, you just you, can I eat your brains? No, well, shuffling's on. That's too bad. I'm very. Oh yeah, well. Did you see my shows? I had a couple of them. It's on HBO. <laughs> it's called the Larry Shamblings Show. <laughs> oh, Gary Shanley's show has a zombie. Would you watch that on Netflix? I would watch it in a heartbeat. <laughs> Just him kind of vaguely muttering and then politely asking to eat someone. I'd watch the shit out of that. <sighs> what were you saying? Um. <laughs> oh, can you talk about the biker too that Wait. gets attacked and like he's just interested in getting his blood, um, his blood, uh, like a blood pressure blood taking. Pressure cuff, oh yes. yeah. I'm sorry. And he was I so keep just Daniel. setting up a gag for his arm to get pulled off. <laughs> Poor so Daniel's sitting next to me and I keep smacking. Is what you do to Rob like... each time? You just hit Rob. No, because we don't sit near each other and oh. I don't and I don't look at him. She doesn't like me to look at her. It freaks her out. <laughs> oh. Um No, okay. So the the thing that I was getting to was either they're brainless zombies because they're consumerist or mm. Or they're not. Like, you don't get to have it both ways. And so there was a scene where the zombies were pretending to be mannequins. Uh, I don't know and, if they were consciously pretending to be. Yeah, so they just... totally were. I rewatched it three times. It was perfect. Or it was okay. purposeful. And that bothers me. Like, either you're brainless mm. or you're not. So that bothered me. Mm, I'm, I'm going to have to watch it two or three more times, I guess. But I mean, I watched that scene a couple times. I mean, with Romero's movies, you do see the zombies involved, like the next film in the series, Day of the Dead. Yeah, that's when they actually start learning. Yeah. Oh, man, Day of the Dead's really good. That's an awesome that, movie, too. You want to talk about a cynical, bleak movie? Oh, my God. Watch that, Amy. Okay, oh, well, uh, we'll put it somewhere on the list. Oh, man, the gore effects in that right. one are, would, are spectacular. Yes. Would so you two like to discuss the original ending? A little bit. Yeah. Well, okay, so in the original ending, Peter does commit suicide in the moment where he's kind of threatening to in the cut that exists now. Mm -hmm. And then Fran goes towards the helicopter, uh, gets it running, and instead of getting in the helicopter to leave, she steps up and puts her head into the blades. And then the last shot of the movie and credits roll as the helicopter blades slowly stop spinning, and we're supposed to understand that the gas has run out and there's no escape for anyone anyway. That it was always going to end with everyone dead. Yep. And the... Helicopter I like that cutting off the so head much of his... less. Uh, I like it less too. It's too explicit, but you can see that they were building to it because the helicopter zombie at the beginning of the movie yeah. who gets head chopped off is setting up what's going to happen later. Um, but what I liked about this one was that it ended... Hope... It's a much more like Thelma and Louise-ish kind of we're going out on our own terms kind of thing. This one? The original. The, the released ending. I'm not even thinking. I'm not even oh. thinking about it this way. I I liked this one because it's it's certain that they're going that the end is nigh, but mm -hmm. they don't. But we don't know what it is, right? So it's like hopeless, but not confirmed. You have the other one. It's just like confirmed. Blah. It's, it's all, pure nihilism. Yeah, I don't yeah. like that. I'm yeah, I, I don't think it's better. I think it's interesting that that was where it was going to go with suicide being the way out. I'm glad he changed it. Yeah, me too. Good job, George. <laughs> a little bit of hope, but as you see... I mean, not lectures. much. It's pretty bleak. You guys have pulled me over. I started out saying it was hopeful, and you started saying it was bleak, and now I've totally... We flopped on this. I never said it was hopeful. I, the word I remember I, you said, you were like, this is the happiest movie I've ever seen. The word I consistently wow. used was Good. hopeless. I oh. think you said, this is a movie for children. 
I think that's a thing you said. You said this will make like show it to sick kids in in beds. Only little closet children who come at you like spider monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) Just leap out and get blown away. (laughs) (laughs) They are not great actors, but whatever, it's fine. Yeah. All right, Amy, here's ultimately what I want to know, because this episode is going so long. Oh, my God. Poor Miranda. Here's what I want to know. Yeah, we are torturing this person. So here's what I want to know, Amy. I feel like we don't really even need to get into all the stuff. We've kind of talked about it. Would you recommend this to your mother? You're not allowing me to say my three favorite things. I'm sorry. I forgot about it. I thought you were, like, skipping over it. No, Um, I didn't mean to skip it. I just always forget about it. Okay, so my top three things... um, I did really enjoy um, Ken Forey mm-hmm. as Peter Washington. Um, I liked the funny zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think ultimately I liked the... There was a level of craft here. So we didn't really ever come to a conclusion on this. Uh, if we're talking about... If we're using the word masterpiece as it applies to like a level of care and concern and craft in your art, I would agree with you. Okay. What if we add in lasting influence in film history? Well, then, of course, yeah. I mean, like, you're just pushing it over. So, but but my job on this show is not to, like, talk about art for art's sake. It's did I enjoy it? And is this the, like, best movie experience I've ever had? Yes and yes. Nope. Wow. So, there you go. Okay, so would you recommend it to your mother? Oh, yeah. Okay, see, like, I feel like this is really... But we've established that she and I are very different and that she likes slasher movies and horror movies and gore, and she thought it was appropriate to show a six-year-old psycho on Christmas Eve. (laughs) Well, I don't understand what... When you're waiting for a strange man to come down the chimney. Yeah, he doesn't come into your your shower. It's fine. It's not okay. Um, Would you recommend this movie to just regular person on the street? No. Interesting. Why not? Because in 2018, mm-hmm. I don't think... You don't think it's aged well enough? I don't think it's aged well enough. I think if you take me to an art school and we're talking to film students, would I recommend it to them? Totally. There's absolutely things worth studying. But for your like average popcorn movie goer in 2018, mm-hmm. no. Okay, I'm going to split the difference on you. What about it's... That sounded gross. But Daniel's giving me that look again. Um, hey, Flyboy. I'm Flyboy. His bottom needs have surfaced again. Oh, uh, my God. That's, those was your terms. <laughs> I'm talking about id needs. You guys are in the gutter. Is that what you call um, it? Your the, id? I, I don't call it that. <laughs> I have a different name for it. Um, Lumber if dad. you had like a precocious 17-year-old student, who they're, you know, they like movies and they like horror movies. They're interested in older stuff, but they're not experienced with watching older movies. Would you recommend it to them? Yes. Okay. So it's not just like dyed in the wool, hardcore horror fans. No. Okay. I think it's anybody with an interest in in sort of where, these, where it came from and okay. stuff like that. But like whoever's lining up to see, you know, the Avengers, I, I don't think you're just like average... No. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I can't even make a All sentence. Right. Good enough. All right, Daniel. I feel like you should get to give us your haiku right oh, now. Oh, yeah. I have my haiku. I wrote it yeah. down while we're talking here. So I wrote, four people trapped in. There is no more room in hell. 
death slowly catches you. Perfect. That was bleak. That was really... And well, in keeping. Can yeah. we talk about that great line in the movie, too? When there's no more room in hell, the dead shall walk the earth. Oh, man. This movie's great. This movie's great. It, it is... I mean, everything you said about it's true. It does have those issues. It has aged. But if, of you, if you're of the mindset to watch a movie and understand that movies age, it's terrific. It's yep. great. Daniel, you said this is your favorite movie of all time. All time. Why? Wow. I didn't realize this. All time. Wow. Just because, uh, I mean, it's more than just a zombie movie. Like, I love zombie movies. I mean, Romero turned me on to zombie movies. Zombie movies. Um, just going back to Night of the Living Dead. I mean, first time watching that, that shocking ending where yeah. uh, you have this hero, this black lead, who's amazing. You root for him. He's making the right decisions. And then it gets taken away from you because some stupid hunter shoots um, through, the uh, through a window thinking he's just a zombie. And then it's like he gets thrown to the pile. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, like that's a sucker punch to your gut. It's like hopeless. Hopeless. And then expands more with Dawn of the Dead. Um and just throwing in that commentary on consumerism, how um even one of the characters says, like, this is an important place in their lives. They don't know why they're just drawn to this place. And I think it just touches on so many levels of like just us as as a society of how we're always gonna be drawn to stuff. Like we stuff makes us happy. As long as we have stuff we could be very happy, but as we see in the film, after months and months of that stuff, it gets boring really quick, and you're just waiting to die pretty much at the end. And what's interesting, too, and another reason I feel like maybe audiences of today wouldn't relate, kids don't go to the mall. Well, they don't exist in the same way they did. No, yeah. malls are dying. Like, as a, or they're dead. Like, like, you go to the mall for something specific now. Right. Whereas we used to go to the mall... To, kill to go time. to the mall, yeah, yeah. like that go to was Sam Goodies. No. That Ooh. was the purpose. Go to B. Dalton Bookseller. Remember, remember, <laughs> go to the arcade. Single yeah. cassettes. Yeah, oh, yeah of like course. One song on each side. Oh man, that was amazing. And you'd pay two bucks for them just to get like the hits, and it came in like a little cardboard sleeve. I got a boy. I can't remember the name of the guy <laughs> who sang it. Something Damien, maybe. It was a song called "Rock On." It was like a like a cover of a like a. Rock on. Yeah, dimmy, 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 Yeah, that one. Yeah, I was listening to it and I was like, I'm a fucking badass right now. I was like 10 and feeling like the coolest. I had just the cassette single and like the B side on it was the same song, slightly remixed. Yeah. So I could just listen to it over and over again. That makes me remember that Wild Wild West song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's Living makes... in the wild, wild west. Yeah. Which is still yeah. a good jam. Wild, wild west. west. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Together. Perfect. Oh, but I feel like that's How's the chorus along? I was like, she's so me. She's so But I don't fine. care. But I don't care. Yeah, so like, Love so me, I don't care. eyes and a wild, wild There's a bunch of hair. Reagan yeah. references in it. <laughs> Ronnie's got a new gun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was it. I feel like those go together. Man, that times. was, they really do. <laughs> right? Rock on Someone needs to do a mix, way. just blend them. All right. <laughs> Speaking of things are that are get... great when you're a kid, but are actually thoroughly mediocre. Are we going to get charged for that? We totally sang over 10 seconds. <laughs> well, uh, but not in sequence, and we just no. sang it. Not in sequence. <laughs> so it worked yeah. out. Okay. I'm heard that you weren't insulted by my transition there. Should I say <laughs> it to you again? Because it was awesome. Speaking of no, mediocre yeah, things it. we loved when we were young. <laughs> wow. Our our second film in our double bill 
is Hocus Pocus. The cult classic from 1993, directed by Kenny Ortega. It stars Bette Midler, Kathy Najimy, Queen of the 90s, 90s. according to Amy. I stand by my statement. both of her films she made during that 10-year period. I forgot to look her up again and see. (laughs) I'm convinced. I mean, at the very least, there's only two movies she's known for in the 90s. This and Sister Act. There's got to be others. Oh, right. Sister Act 2. I'm sorry. Back in the Habit. Back in the Habit. Great subtitle. I like Great subtitle. Act. Almost the '90s was like really good with subtitles. Between that and the Legend of Curly's Gold, oh, some real gems. Too. Oh, that's yeah, a great movie too. Uh, so, but, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> Kathy Jamie and Sarah Jessica Parker are the three Sanderson sisters. Uh, they're these. Oh, I need to do my haiku, don't I? Yes. All right, haiku. Here we go. Ancient witches wake. Teenage boy cat helps teens fight. The actors had fun. <laughs> I think that's really the thing. Like, boy, it looks like the actors had a great time making this movie. There's so much like, oh, we are a delight kind of stuff on their face. But I just don't. Wait, what was the last line of your haiku? Um, the actors had fun. Oh, you like mushmouthed it? So I thought you said none of the actors had fun? No, I think they had a blast. Yeah. I think they had a great time. And I think that comes through. It's, it's ebullient and effervescent. It is definitely, it comes through that they had a good time. And that is, like, doesn't that make you, know you the feel best? like you're having no, a good no, time? Here, here's the yeah. best. When you go to a party where you don't know anyone, and everyone, like, hears a joke, and you don't get to hear the joke, and they all laugh, and you go, ha, 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 yeah, we're, I'm having fun, too. That was a very revealing story you just told. A breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned so much about myself. Okay, okay you're right. You know I've never what? been to a party. That's <laughs> more accurate today at our school they were playing music and like some people were dancing and then just kept adding in and adding in and adding in because people were having fun and then they but okay that's exactly i don't get to add in on this i get to watch them have fun while i'm sitting on my couch you could get up and dance but that's you you, um hey rob you can dance if you want to i can leave those friends behind yeah um but isn't are you incapable of um, joy, em- <laughs> pleasure, love, um, empathizing? Like in that's not the right word. But are you incapable of experiencing joy when other people like, like vicariously through them? Yeah, like that's what joyful movies are about. Like kind that's of? that's why I love Di- okay, well, Disney Wait, sports you know movies. Disney I don't sports think movies that is a, like are my jam because you are so happy. That is a surprising statement. Oh, um, <laughs> the hockey one. Like at the end of the it, the hockey one, miracle. You mean the Mighty miracle. Ducks, miracle. Oh, okay. <sighs> I don't, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I named another Disney hockey movie instead of Miracle. Miracle right. at the end of yeah. it, like my heart sings. It's so good. Okay, we'll come back to that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, those three actresses: Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Queen of the '90s, Kathy Najimy, <laughs> star as. The Sanderson sisters, who the beginning of the movie is them in Salem, Massachusetts, uh, starting up like a, a ceremony to take away the soul of a young girl so that they can live young forever, I guess. Yeah, to be more youthful, get younger. Get yeah. younger. Bette Miller's very excited to look less like herself, <laughs> I guess. There's a lot of weird vanity stuff in this with Bette Miller. Oh, well, yeah. So then um, the, the cycle of this... Ceremony gets interrupted by the young girl's maybe 13-year-old brother who Zachary has Binks. a perfect... That's his real name, not his character name, incredibly. No, his character... Oh, you're making a joke. 
I was, but... <laughs> I missed it. I'm sorry. That's all right. It's good. The actor's name is Sean Murray. Which I'm so disappointed it's not Bill Murray. Can you imagine how much better it would be with Bill Murray in that role as a 13-year-old boy? In, like, <laughs> pedal pusher pantaloons or yeah. whatever? Yeah. Yeah, no. With that weird little, like, mullet ponytail this kid has? No. He has a perfect 90s haircut. Um, he interrupts the thing and gets cursed to be a cat. Mm-hmm. And he stays a cat for the duration of the film. Uh, he, the, Sean Murray doesn't do the voice for his character, though. J- uh, I believe it's actually James Marsden who did. Like, it was his first thing that he did. No, Jason. I know it says Jason here, but I'm pretty sure it was James Marsden. I think there's a typo on Wikipedia. That's it doesn't matter. not possible. Yeah. Wikipedia is known for their <laughs> perfection and fidelity to the truth. Um, we flash forward 300 years. To 1993, presumably, I guess. Yeah, present. And there's a kid named Max who has transferred to this high school uh, just before Halloween. He's gone there from L.A. He doesn't fit in very well. He's trying to get along. There's a girl he has a crush on. There's bullies. He ends up, well, before that, later at home, fantasizing about this girl he has a crush on in class. (laughs) His pillow. He... Fondles a pillow. Yeah, that was... And praises it for being so soft. <laughs> oh, so soft. And use it. What's her name? The character's name is Allison. Oh, Allison, you're so soft. As he gently humps this pillow. He, okay, no. he didn't hump he didn't it. Hump well, and I'm pretty sure he did. You no. have to have this scene because it's a PG movie and you can't show a kid jerking it. Okay, wait a second. We have to have the scene of a kid following a pillow. Why not just he writes her a love note and his little sister finds it and teases him? Oh, right. Is that way more efficient way to do it? Because it's about lust. Like, it's about teenage... Oh, we'll get to the lust in this movie. (laughs) This movie tacitly approves molesting teenagers. But don't worry. We'll get there. So... See, That's have... the noise Amy makes when she's like, I don't like what you're saying, but you're correct. No, because you're when you're dealing with immortal beings, we've had this conversation with Peter and Pan. And it makes it even worse. I just, age stops being relevant when you're 300. Kind of. It doesn't stop being relevant <laughs> when you're 300 and the other one's 13. Which in the first He's scene. Not. Okay, He's when they ca- Wait a second. Hold on. When they, when Thackeray Binks is accosted by the witches, Sarah Jessica Parker looks at him and she says, I want to play with him and start stroking his chest. And perhaps that is just a reference to how she plans on torturing him. That and is definitely not what's happening. There. Enjoying his pain. That is not what's going on in that scene. <laughs> you can try to say it is, but is this okay. whole movie. The best thing in this movie is Sarah Jessica Parker because she just is. I told you you'd like it. With a playful sexiness. Yeah. That's it's I've never found her particularly appealing. She looks great in this. Yeah. She looks awesome. Yeah. Well, corsets do everyone pretty good. They don't help me much. Um, <laughs> it's a lot wait, of what? Ch- it's a lot what? of chest hair in the way. Uh, we don't have to talk about that. So. <laughs> All right. Lumberjack. Okay, that's that's my name, all right? That's what they call me, is Lumberjack. Lumberjack and Flyboy. Yeah, Lumberjack and Flyboy. That's our new morning radio show. I love it. Well, welcome. I'm Lumberjack. I'm Flyboy. You're tuned in to 1090 Rock and Roll. Next, we have Wild Wild West for one hour, nonstop. <laughs> but first, the, wild, wild West. the weather. First, the weather. Fuck with... the weather. Oh. Let's play the Wild Wild West again, followed by Rock On. <laughs> Okay, so they get cursed. Over over. I would absolutely listen to that radio show. Let's apply for a grant.
Um, <laughs> anyway, so, oh, I've gone insane. So, moving on. In the 1990s, Max has a thing for Allison, his sister, played by Thora Birch, soon to be of American Beauty fame. And right. who's amazing. Oh, my God. She's Everyone great. says that, and she is not. No. What? Every line She's that comes... She's a terrible, comes... stupid no. child. Uh... Every line that comes out of her mouth is dripping with amazing sarcasm and, like, <sighs> snarkiness and hate for everything around her. She's so fantastic. She's... Okay. She's all right. I mean, for, like, a, whatever, nine-year-old, she's fine. But people build it up, like, get ready, because... Basically, George Carlin is in the role as the little sister. <laughs> There's way yeah. less profanity. She knows how to hit the beats in the movie. She does really. She's all that. right. She's all right. Um, yeah. They go out to have an adventure trick or treating. They run into while trick or treating. Uh, Max and his sister, rather, they wind up at Allison's house. Can I just talk about um, the per person who plays Allison, Vanessa Shaw? She's yes. probably my first crush because before mm -hmm. this movie, she did Ladybugs with Jonathan Brandis. I don't know if you remember that movie. Yeah, I, oh, was I remember super that movie. into Jonathan they filmed Brandis. It near where I grew up, and a bunch of people I went to oh. high school with were in. They were some of the girls playing soccer. In oh, the movie. it's amazing! Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I had a huge crush on Vanessa Shaw, and then this came out a year later, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be a great movie." That, was that's it? it. I saw her first when I was older in other things, and thought she was unbelievably beautiful. So then seeing here, I was like, "Oh, that's her young. That's that's interesting. I'm glad she's had a career." But so Different when character. they go to First. Vanessa's bah, parents' bah, house, bah. they're having this big party, which looks uncannily like the Eyes Wide Shut orgy party. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I had that I was watching. I was like, thought. oh, my God. There's a crazy sex party going on in the background of this movie. I had that same thought. Something real weird is going on. And she's in this kind of pseudo-Victorian push-up bra corset thing that not a high school Victorian girl should not be wearing. Renaissance. If it was Victorian, she'd be covered up to the neck. <sighs> Boom. Got you. <laughs> Take that. Uh, <laughs> just I'm just saying, if you're gonna use words, use no, them yeah, correctly. You're right. No, you're use right. right Victorian. Okay, I'm sorry. The one where the boobs get pushed out. Victorian has a That's narrow definition. Though, oh my god. <laughs> so I hate everyone in this room right now. <laughs> anyway, except Miranda. She's no. Innocent. All of you. No. She. <laughs> She said something terrible to me earlier. Oh, You're yeah, all on that's my right. shit list. That was awesome. Voice. All of you. <laughs> all radio terrible. voice, sorry. So, all just monstrous. Um, they go to the Sanderson sister house. They accidentally, uh, Max accidentally revives them because he's a virgin who lights a candle. Which there are so many mentions of this kid being a virgin in this movie. <laughs> it's hilarious. This movie is obsessed with fucking. <laughs> with teenagers getting it on. And it's implied, like, you know what, kid? If you'd have gotten laid, maybe shit wouldn't have gone so bad. Yeah. That is not a good message for a kid's film. But wouldn't you Kids, say get out there. Like get your dick wet so you don't end the world. <laughs> but wouldn't you say that's an accurate representation of your high school life? Like, I would not say that's an accurate. Well, maybe wait, things would have gone you, better you, if you'd gotten laid, Rob. In that sense, yeah. You would get the joke, <laughs> maybe, being Rob. stuck in my virginity <laughs> would be an accurate representation of my you high school experience. walk in and get the joke. Hmm. Okay, I didn't get laid in high school. We all now know this. This is not something everyone needs to know about. I am lonely. I have always been lonely. Um, so, anyway, they they have this kind of madcap 
little chase scene inside the house. They get out of it because Max convinces them he's a he's a fellow wizard by setting off the fire sprinklers with his Zippo. And that was pretty clever and neat, actually. I really liked that part. And we just have to pause and like really go back to the early 90s and the the presence of the om, omnipresence the mm-hmm. ubiquity of, the of Zippo. zippos i right? had one i loved it because you could go to right you could go like was hot topic there in the early 90s or where was it you could go somewhere and there was like no laws and you could just, oh it was a lawless time you could be 11 you could do anything you could be 11 <laughs> years old and go buy fucking butane and a and a zippo and yeah. you can walk around you with could a buy zippo. spray paint and like yeah. turn it into a blowtorch and like right burn grasshoppers and in a field. We, right and we all practice that move where you like you snap it open you snap the zippo open and light it at the same yeah. time or like my favorite thing was i would like run it on my jeans oh yeah and, i remember and make that my move. jeans to set it off and like now well that was when there was a still a smoking area in a high school that's true. That's true. In high school, people were having cigarette breaks next to their teachers God, and lighting each other's cigarettes with Zippos. We say shit like that, and it's like we're talking about like 1967. We are talking about the early 90s. Yeah, it 20, was not, I graduated in 96. It was ago. not that long ago. No. Yeah, no, not I even think, 30 years ago. I think my freshman year, the school I went to still had a smoking section. Yeah, we did at my high school. So that would have been 93. It was totally acceptable. Yeah. People were smoking, like, all the time. That's crazy. It's, I have a hard time believing I worked in restaurants when there were still smoking sections in restaurants. I was at a restaurant in Burbank, like, two months ago, and there was a smoking section. Really? Wow. It was, I don't know. It was... It, Did you go through a time machine? It was yeah. outside. Oh, but okay, even, you can do that. But even that is so, like, there's a restaurant here um, that has a patio, and that's pretty much established smoking right. section. But this was, like, because it's outside. But this was, like, very clearly... And I remember being shocked by it because it was covered. So it was like sort of outside, but not. But it was very clearly like smoking section, non-smoking section. I thought that was so weird. It was it's like a weird. time machine. Burbank's a little bit like a time machine. That's what the, that's the city motto. Yeah. Burbank, we're a little like a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's on their seal. Their seal is actually just Doc Brown. <laughs> um, anyway, so the, the sisters Police are awakened. They... There is a great bit where they are scared of the asphalt on the street because they've never seen anything like it as like they venture that. out. Yeah, it was pretty- that was a good joke. And then uh, through hijinks, they end up on a bus with a bus driver who is an unfathomably <laughs> crude man. Yeah. His jokes are... I was blushing watching it. Yeah, he hits on all of them as they get on the bus. Yeah, and one after... And in worse and worse terms, he has Sarah Jessica Parker sitting on his lap. He's, he's clearly kind of humping her in there. What? You just want to keep saying hump. This movie loves humping. <laughs> hey, fly girl. But Okay, hey, fly girl. That's what he said to her. I was just trying to continue the theme. I, I thought really you had failed. like a 90s like in living color fly girl <laughs> yeah. reference uh, for J-Lo. It is the 90s. So. so, and then the movie... Okay, here's my thing with the movie. I was bored to tears until we hit the witches with the trick-or-treaters. That was and then hilarious. the movie picks up. They encounter like uh, a, a little kid. One of them sneezes and a little kid dressed as an angel says, bless you. And they all scream in fear yeah. from the angel kid. Then they encounter Gary Marshall dressed as Satan. By far the best scene in this movie. <laughs> and Penny Marshall as Medusa. Which, well, which was kind of weird because Penny Their Marshall is sister. his real life sister and they're playing a married couple and it was real uncomfortable because this movie is so weird about sex oh my god <laughs> but they are all hanging at the witches are hanging out in would-be satan's house which is gary marshall <laughs> the least nah hello you know that guy 
who made Pretty Woman. Anyway. So um, clearly has some thoughts on women's bodies as commodities. It is so weird. <laughs> they are walking around the house serving his needs, and he's clearly getting ready to do something untoward with them when his wife interrupts and is upset and kicks them out. Oh, now you don't say hump? Like, that would have been the appropriate place yeah. to well, say hump. I think hump. it was... I was going to make another orgy reference after the Eyes Wide Shut party, but it felt like it was too soon. Um, They get thrown out of there. I don't know. Then there's... It doesn't fucking matter. They go to a giant party for the adults where all the adult parents are partying in town. And there's a band that's kind of skeletons. And I wish it that they had the Misfits playing that would have made this a lot better. Oh, that would have been amazing. And it turns into a musical number for Bette Midler to have to sing, because of course she has to sing in the okay. movie, uh, with the worst, stupidest but dance routine. They had established that Ugh. these witches have powers through their voice, and they use their voices to subdue... Uh, well, Sarah Jessica Parker was like a siren. She would use her voice to lure children, and they could use their voices to subdue them. Sure, why not? Yeah. And it's not like she just sings like when they're on the street to do something. It's a musical number in the movie. Yeah, it's Bette Midler. It's the early 90s. What do you want? It's the... Bette Midler in a movie directed by the guy who choreographed Dirty Dancing. He also did a ton of stuff. I I mean... He's a choreographer. Well, he was a choreographer. He's a choreographer. choreographer. He's he a director. musical theater. He does all sorts of stuff. Like, so that's I'm not saying genre. the man's without talent. I just don't need this musical number in this movie. I, it immediately annoyed me terribly. It felt so self-congratulatory and lame. And the worst is having shots of the audience, like pretend they're enjoying a show. So you'll start enjoying the show. <laughs> Charles Rocket kind of trying to look like he's enjoying all this. Charles, I love Charles Rocket. But the he, whole- he's their dad. He's incredible. He's the guy who got kicked off Saturday Night Live because at the end of uh, one of his episodes, he said, fuck. And they kicked him off the show. Wow. Yeah, that. he's awesome. And his name's Charles Rocket. The dude's amazing. <laughs> Um, but the whole point of that scene was that they needed the parents out of the way. Yeah. Sure. Fine. I just don't care. I, you got to hear the great I Put a Spell on You by Ben Miller. It's so bad. It's pretty good. But here's, here's where good. I started to really, things started to like pick up for me. <laughs> they get the witches. The kids manage to convince the witches to follow them to the school. And they trap them in a giant kiln. Mm-hmm. And then they fire that sucker up. Turn it up. And cook them to death. Yeah. And I was, I wrote down in my notes, this is hardcore. I was so happy. I was like, I can't believe they just ended this movie by burning these women to death. That is incredible that the movie about witches, they burn them to death. But then they're fine. They come out and there's more hijinks. It doesn't matter at all. Because. I stopped taking notes. I was so disappointed. I was like, come on. That was awesome. It was awesome. It gets better. No, it does not exactly. get better. There's a but wait, oh. there's like, more. like, oh, but wait, yep. But wait, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> you haven't mentioned the most important thing. What? Doug what? Jones as Billy Butcherson. Billy Butcherson. Okay, well, that's kind of toward the, I feel like that's ultimately towards the end. The, the witches resurrect essentially a zombie uh, to do their dirty work. And then in the end, the zombie joins forces with the kids. Yeah. No, none of that even matters. It just matters that it's Doug Jones. Like that it's I was some surprised that Doug early... Jones was doing that stuff that long ago. Right? Yeah, some early kind of Doug Jones work. And oh, then... and I haven't mentioned that the 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 cat boy is their assistant. And actually my second first is favorite Binks. thing in the movie doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, his name's Thackeray, but Binks is catchier cuz it's his last name. 
And he's a but as cat time. form, he's just Binks. As cat form, he's just Binks. Um, okay, so favorite thing was the uh, Gary Marshall as Satan. Second favorite thing <laughs> is when the bus runs over the cat. Oh, yeah. And it's flattened and then inflates and comes back to life. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was great. I liked that. I'm doing my favorite things as we go because I won't remember otherwise. Um, I don't know. They figure out how to get rid of the witches. They, it's because they have to keep them awake and away from the the using their spell for 24 hours. By the time the sun comes up, the sun comes up and turns them into statues and they blow away, basically. Yes. And they trick them. They trick them. The kids trick them. Yeah. They... Trick them, don't treat them. And in there, yes. there's that little, yeah. <laughs> the two, um, the bullies. Al, no, Alice, oh, <laughs> Allison and Max. Uh huh. They uh, strike up a relationship. They have a little kissy kiss, and it's there was all... talk of a sequel about their kid that they stay together. Oh no. And have kids. That's I don't need that. They want to make it. It's still happening. Bette Mittler wants to make it. She uh, says this is her favorite movie of all time. That she's done. Super fun. Mm-hmm. And that's just it. I don't doubt she had a blast making this. Whenever the three witches are together and they're like walking in unison mm-hmm. and you can just imagine before the cameras roll, they're like, oh guys, I have such a great idea. What if we walk in this <laughs> funny way together? And they're like, oh my God, that's going to be so much fun. That's going to be great. And then they do it and the director's like, this is gold. Why do you hate Joy, Let's Rob? do this. Uh, yeah. Who is she? Oh my God. I, I don't hate Joy. I hate, you know, like, have you ever been... To like, um, are you going to talk more about sad parties you didn't get invited to? That's, yeah, there's I so want to hear more. There's so many. It's kind of really that. Have you ever been like in a play or something where there's like the stars of the play, and then there's everyone else, and everyone else is expected to really enjoy when the stars are having fun and clap and yay, you are funny and great. Oh, a theme I like here. you. It's a theme. Hey, Gail Douglas taught me there are no small parts, just small actors. Yeah, that may be the case. However. Mm-hmm. When the stars get the treatment of everyone should vicariously enjoy the fun they get to have, I find that gross and classist and weird. Mm. And this whole movie feels like that. Blech. You just overthink things and your head's up your ass all the time. So you can't have any fun. <laughs> I was in one of Gail Douglas's plays and I had to play a maid. Uh, wait, you got into a Gail Douglas play? How'd that happen? Nepotism. Stop it. Oh, wow. Stop it. She's she, she now is going to hate you. Um, she also was my drama teacher. Um, no, I played a very small part. I was um, I was a maid in um, Matchmaker. And, you know, the people in that were these two boys who were hilarious together. And, and one in particular was just so funny to watch. And, um, you know, and it's they dress and drag. And, right. And it was so fun to watch them. And it was great. And when I wasn't on stage and we were in rehearsal, I would entertain myself by we had the hanging flats that were the windows and I would just stand in and just slightly nudge it and make them move the most minuscule amount just to watch Gail Douglas go crazy. <laughs> right? This because is a very interesting story. When this I, says a lot about you and your relationship with your mom. Totes. But <laughs> the point is that when I wasn't on stage and I wasn't getting to enjoy watching my friends who were the stars of the play do and have all this fun, I was having fun myself, right? Well, let me see if I got this right. You, on stage where your friends having fun and your fun was poking the curtain slightly. To That's bother fun. my mom. Yeah. I'm just saying, let's just compare these two activities. I'm saying that you 
are too busy being hurt by your non-involvement in activities. No, this is not. That you can't. No, that is not what this is. You're a curmudgeon. Okay, yeah, but one thing doesn't relate to the other. Okay, Mm. yeah, you're a curmudgeon. I'm definitely a curmudgeon, but that's not what I'm talking about. Like, you have a force field around you that keeps joy and happiness from coming into you. My force field has entirely to do with that I'm scared of raccoons. And I don't want them near me. I'm not scared of raccoons. Um, I just thought it'd be a funny animal to mention. Um, (laughs) No, it's it's the thing of when entertaining people are being entertaining, putting on a show. That's great. That's fun. Yeah. But when it's look how much fun I'm having. Aren't you having fun watching me? That's different. And that's what the whole movie feels like. It doesn't feel like they're putting on a show for the benefit of people like, this is something they'll enjoy. It's, oh my God, we are so charming and great. Everyone's going to love this. I don't don't think so. The whole movie feels like that to me. Back to the NFL, when I used to watch football, I liked the Steelers because watching Heinz Ward was pure joy. Because that dude was having the best time in every football game. He had a grin. He'd get smacked upside the head or trampled to the ground or whatever. And he would hop up with a giant grin on his face. He's also a phenomenally dirty player, but yeah. well, I don't know. I never paid attention to that. But I also he would help people up, like he'd knock them over and he'd help them up. I always thought that was really nice. Anyway, I know less about mm. football, obviously, than you guys. But um, two-time champion. I. <laughs> <laughs> My point is just that, like Heinz Ward was having fun, and I liked watching him have fun. I think. You clearly have an issue with not being personally invited to and involved in things. Okay, here's the thing. I've never starred in a movie. I've enjoyed many of them. Okay. I mean, like... Awesome. (laughs) We've been doing this for an hour and 45 minutes now. Like, we're not getting anywhere. Here's the thing I really do enjoy. And you don't have friends. (laughs) Okay, that's... Get that drop. You say that like it's going to happen for <laughs> That's where we're at. Welcome to the show. Um, <laughs> here's the thing that has given me more fun than anything else with... And Okay, let me say this. I didn't hate Hocus Pocus Thank at you. all. Good. I thought that when... I'll take that, it. That the middle section of the movie, when they're being messed with by all the trick-or-treaters, I think is fantastic. The fish-out-of-water stuff with the witches is really, really fun. When it's just the witches trying to convince us that they're the funniest, most charming actresses in the world, I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was real stilted. I thought it went on too long. But the like the second act of the movie is great. It's really good and fun. Um, but here's the thing I like more than anything else involved in this. So thing I like, number one, perfect things, would be the Gary Marshall scene. Scene number two would be the cat getting inflated after getting run over the bus. Three is looking up Kenny Ortega's IMDb page. <laughs> The director has pictures of him from, I'm guessing, the beginning of his career, where we're going to have to post these on the Facebook, because, Amy, these pictures are amazing. Will you please post them? Sure. Yes. It's Kenny Ortega in a vest with no shirt, um, <laughs> kind of like coyly hiding from the camera by, by putting his hands over his head. They are the funniest pictures I've ever seen. Do you want to know what he's saying while he's taking those pictures? Please tell me. Hey, Flyboy. Hey, fly boy. Um, and lumberjack. He's and I. He's a very oh. successful man. He's had a great career. He directed much stuff. He directed Newsies right before this. I think Newsies is great. Great movie. Uh, he's had a huge career as a choreographer. He did This Is It, the Michael Jackson movie. Um, he did a bunch of the High School Musical stuff. Like he hasn't been doing as great lately. But in IMDb, it reveals he's making another version of Dirty Dancing, a remake. Here's the synopsis. Get ready to really enjoy this. 
Madge flies to Peru for a vacation and meets alpaca farmer Jorge. <laughs> alpaca farmer. Madge. While their romance blossoms and the temperature soars in the South American heat, so too does their love for the dance. Now they'll have the time of their lives. Bought my ticket already. Wow. So, wow. but like, you can't blame Kenny Ortega for that because whoever writes the IMDb synopsis, it's just synopsis. I'm not it's blaming just like I enjoyed a... the shit out of it. Okay. Good. I love it. Nobody's named Madge anymore. Uh, Madge. A woman who meets alpaca farmers in South America and in, in Peru sure is. Is there a Peruvian dirty dance? I guess there must be. There was a sequel to Dirty Dance in Havana Nights. Yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't either. There's a... I'll get you it. There's a super interesting. There's a really interesting story behind how that came about. Oh. Yeah, I can't remember it right now, but it's worth, it must have been great. It's yeah. worth looking at. It's really interesting, <laughs> but not worth remembering. I feel like incredible. It's like, like Ira Glass is involved in it somehow. Wait a second, what? And it or it was it's some like this. It's some NPR broadcaster who like was doing a, a PhD on. The financial systems of of Cuba and whatever, and something that he wrote in it, someone was like, "Oh, I'd like to turn this into a movie, but here's what we're gonna do: we're with gonna put it. in Dirty Dancing." <laughs> and they turned his like PhD thing into Dirty Dancing. Oh, uh, now I do Nights. need to find out about this. That's yeah, amazing. it's okay. a it's a funny story. I'll, okay, we'll I'll, find out about. I'll it. post it to um, Facebook. Would I recommend this movie to your mom? Hmm, I'm really torn on this one. I would absolutely recommend the beginning of the film to your mom. Or not the beginning, the middle of the film to your mom. I think it starts slow. You know what, though? I wouldn't be against a sequel to this movie. Because the idea is pretty good. I think it's way too winking. I don't think it's that great a movie, but I think there's a good idea here. I think it could be good. All right. Not against it. I'll take it. Yeah. So, yeah, you know what? I'm going to not full-heartedly, but I will recommend it to your mom. It's a good one for, like, when you're homesick. Yeah, because you can sleep during the beginning and the end of it. There you go. And wake up during the middle and like really enjoy it and then go back to sleep. All right. Hmm. Daniel, do you want to kind of tell me what you're thinking here? Because you're looking at me with, I don't want to say hatred. No. But real Just thinking strong all your opinion. fantasy football comments make me mad. Well, anyways, <laughs> yeah, back to Hocus Pocus. I agree with the truth. <laughs> um, I think it's super fun movie. I mean... I think you could always judge a children's movie if you could watch it as an adult and get like some good things out of it. Like, this is one of those movies where like totally it doesn't just have that childhood watch. Where it's like oh, it's great as a child, and then you watch it again and it's terrible. Like no, this one stands up as a fun, entertaining movie for the whole family. Well, I watched it with my children and they hated it. <laughs> but you've it's worth noting. I really tried. I was like, come on, guys, this is gonna be great. They did not care for it. Hmm. But you've cultivated a certain set Wait, of... What are you about to say about my children? <laughs> like, you've trained them to like certain things, and Hocus Pocus ain't it. I did it through purely Pavlovian kind of technique. Like, we watch arty French films, and I give them candy. We watch Hocus Pocus, and I just kept, like, poking them with a fork. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's working real mm-hmm. well because your two-year-old called the other one an asshole the other day. So okay, one he's three. I feel that makes it a little bit better. <laughs> and yes, he did call him an asshole. And wow. both of his parents laughed, and <laughs> I had to say, "Guys, you're not helping the situation." Wait, you didn't say that. You laughed. I laughed at you guys, and then I was like, mm, "I thought it in my head." Oh, thank let you. me tell my story. It's better radio that way. 
So, but continue to Daniel's comment. <laughs> Hocus Pocus is not one of the ones like Hook for me, where it was like I watched it over and over again, and you know it had all these emotional ties for me. Like Hocus Pocus was one I had seen a few times and remember really enjoying. And so when I went into it as an adult, I was you know especially because we're in this like it's twenty fifth anniversary and it's become a cult classic and um. I think I told you I went to the um, Halloween store and just it was like walls upon walls of Hocus Pocus crap. Um, And one of our colleagues, her sister and her friends dressed as Hocus Pocus this year. It's like it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Right. It's It's, a huge thing. And and I that started happening a few years ago where it was like a huge thing. And I remember thinking like, oh, yeah, I I remember liking that movie. It was that was pretty fun. But it wasn't one of those ones that I was like, oh, you know, and so my thing for you of you haven't seen it was it is this it's big, a cultural touchstone. It's a touchstone and you yeah. hadn't seen it. So coming back to it as an adult, I kind of didn't totally remember what to expect or if I was going to sure. like it. And well, how long had it been since you last watched it from? I, I know you just watched it. How long had it been prior? Oh, I was probably 15 or 16. So in this new wave of popularity, you had not revisited. No, I hadn't. Interesting. Um, And I enjoyed the hell out of it. And, and Mm. my memories were wrong. Like in my head, I think the Sanderson sisters were like maybe anti-heroes or like, like, and then I was like, Oh no, these, they're bad. They're really bad. (laughs) And they're almost certainly child molesters. (laughs) I, you know, it was a different time. Um, (laughs) Wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was different when we were in high school, but it wasn't that different when we were in high school. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, So I just, I agree with Daniel. I think it stands up and and I think that's, yes. Let me ask you something. There's some jokes that we wouldn't make now because we, as discussed earlier, are kinder, more empathetic, more responsible. This, this, okay. I want to ask you something. And you, you will like this question in the long run, I think. Don't tell me what to do. Well, I don't, I don't think I did. <laughs> I was predicting something. Um, would you call this movie campy? It's definitely cult. Would you say it's campy? Okay, but there's like good campy and there's bad. Just, wait, wait, wait. Just, would you and say it's campy? there's bad campy. Would you say it's campy? Which one are you using? Either. I'm not Is making a value judgment. campy or campy? <laughs> Narrow. What? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, it's I'm not campy. making a value judgment on it. It's I'm just, campy. Okay, so here's the thing. I generally don't like camp. I think there's very few times when I do. It has to be real extreme stuff because I find that Because they didn't let you like play Ernest the games camp. with them? Oh, my or? God. <laughs> I do love Ernest Goes to Camp, actually. <laughs> That's a great Have you seen Ernest Goes to Camp? Yes, totally. Okay, all right, just in case. Come on. <laughs> when he see, sings to a turtle, yeah. how lonely he is, and it bites him. Yeah. Oh, God, I really want to watch that movie now. I really think I've probably seen all the Ernest movies. <laughs> I've seen them all, but Ernest Goes Camp, I would, I might watch it tonight. Like, I love that movie. It's pretty good. It's great. The the <laughs> chef with the crazy eyes that dart around. <laughs> they make a weird, like, MacGyver vehicle out of a bus and canoes. Anyway. Um, <laughs> watch it I don't tend to care for campy stuff. I think that may be part of what gets in the way on this for me. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Because to enjoy camp, you have to enjoy joy. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, the dark I thought soul doesn't have that was joy. a real olive branch I put out there, but I guess it not. It was, but no, that's what I'm saying though. Like camp is pure. You just accused me of not having a soul. No, I didn't. Dark um, soul. It's just, oh right. Yeah, it's just bleak and hopeless, oh, like the end of Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, <laughs> I just camp. Soul. Camp is fun for fun's sake. 
And I don't... But with a particular tonal... I don't know that I could define it, but there's a tonal feel that camp has, right? It's not just fun. It's an over-the-top... I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, you don't like over-the-top things. Do you like the movie Over the Top? The arm wrestling movie? Yes. I mean, every time I turn my hat backwards, I think about it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That movie's so bad. The movie's terrible. We should talk about what we're doing next. Yes. So last time we did this, we um, the for probably the second or third time on this podcast, Working yep. Girl um, was brought up. Yep. The Harrison Ford, Sigourney Weaver, Melanie Griffith classic. Oh, also, oh boy, there's some real good Joan Cusack in this. She's... So, you really love Joan Cusack. I love Joan Cusack. You do. How can you she's not great. love Joan Cusack? I didn't say I don't. I just was saying. Is you it because she's do. joyful? Okay, I didn't say I don't love Joan Cusack. Um, she. I actually really like her. Super spectacular. Um, I always love her when she's with her brother John Cusack. Oh, I never realized they were related. You didn't know that? I'm kidding. I, wow. I knew that. I actually like <laughs> Joan better than John. Uh, I do now. I didn't back when, but I do now, certainly. My, uh, my two favorite, when she has the sweater with the little, in 16 candles, and she is wearing, like, a neck brace, and she has to wash. She has to, like, dry her mouth off because the water fountain sprays her in the face, and she's wearing a sweater with, like, a girl with a dress, but the dress is detachable, and she pulls the skirt up and wipes her mouth. And then I also like it when she sings Gypsy in School of Rock and dances to it. Oh. Yeah. No, not Gypsy. No, no. Uh, Stevie wild, Nicks. The Stevie Nicks song. It's Wild um. Winged Dove. 16. She's 16. That song. Yeah. Like a wild wing dove. This is the singing episode. Sing song. Sound sing. Wait. Who? Hold on. Stevie Nicks just walked in the studio, everybody. <laughs> okay. The gypsy so, herself is here. Working girl. Working girl is going up against. So I was asked to pair this. This is going to be a weird pairing. It's a little challenging. So Melanie Griffith is going to be our connecting bridge here. And we've done this before. We did it with we've, Kevin we've Klein. It yeah. It's not a bad bridge, but. This will not be immediately apparent as the bridge. We're doing a movie called Roar. Roar is made by Tippi Hedren, Melanie Griffith's mom. And Melanie Griffith is in it as one of her kids. This is the most batshit movie you will possibly... I have... We we always urge you to watch the movies before you listen to the podcast. I cannot urge you strongly enough. Find Roar. It is endlessly insane. So the premise very quickly is this. Uh, Tippi Hedren and her husband, who is a producer, they love lions and they love tigers. So they decided to start an animal shelter. This is the this is not the movie. This is real life. There's they no bears. Start like oh my. well, no. But they started to, to they decided to make this like animal refuge in their home just outside of L.A. and started buying all these lions and started buying all these tigers and panthers and raising them on this estate. And soon they had something like 120 wild cats running around their property. And they decided the best thing to do to show off the majesty of these animals would be to make a horror movie about the animals attacking them and their children. This movie is insane. And when you watch it, the lions aren't trained. They are really attacking the people in the movie. (laughs) It is completely batshit. You watch Melanie Griffith run for her life away from a real goddamn lion. That's not good. It is... It's someone once described it as if Swiss if Swiss Family Robinson was a snuff film, Ooh. it would be Roar. <laughs> That's funny. This movie will blow your mind. So, I cannot wait to make Amy watch it. Just to make sure I can find it, is it Roar or is it Rar? It's, like <laughs> it's Rar. Oh. Like when someone's being catty. Uh, it's R O A R. 
I was totally kidding. I just want to make fun of how you pronounce God it. God damn it. <laughs> On that note. Hoisted by my own petard. That's how you say it, right? <laughs> yes. Good job. Great. It's très bien. Uh, <laughs> I'm Amy. I lived in France. Listen to my accent. We're going after each other on this one. All right. Daniel, on thank you so note, much for being here. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank, thank you for you, having Daniel. me. Our fun. engineer, my gosh, thank you so much for being here and listening to our nonsense. And also, um, our engineer is here courtesy of her own time and kindness, but also because of Mr. Tom Buck. Tom Buck! Um, who's allowing us to be in his studio. So please check him out on the Enthusiasm Project on YouTube. It's also, great. It's really good. Also, yeah, he had a sweet thumbnail this week of like a burning agenda. I don't know. It was a really cool graphic. He's, in a, he's a really a remarkable man. Um, and make sure to check us out on Twitter and Facebook, mainly Facebook, um, but yep. also Twitter. And on Twitter, we're at Real Fights. R-E-E-L, on Facebook and um, on pretty much all the podcast delivery places, Stitcher, Spotify, mm-hmm. Google, Apple, all Stitchify, of them. Stitchify, Apple. MySpace. MySpace. Yeah. Friendster, Friendster, actually. Friendster. We're super big on Friendster. Wow. Awesome. Huge um, on Friendster. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're Real Disagreement, same thing, R-E-E-L. Um, we like to put pictures up from some of the things we talked about. This Kenny Ortega picture is definitely going up. This is a super long episode, so we, I wonder if we might break it up into two. But um, thank you, thank you. Follow, like, review, rate, subscribe, all the And things. then there's one other thing they got to do. Insert clever catchphrase here. Pardon me, may <laughs> I partake of your <laughs> brain matter? <laughs> Many salutations. Thank you so much.